Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Well, thank you for joining us. I want to take a second to all those that are that are uh, joining us online uh, or on in your vehicle on the way back from vacation, wherever you may be. If you're listening or watching online, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Uh, we're going to continue. My name, uh, those of you who don't know, is, is Kelly. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, my wife and I, uh, specifically, we oversee the uh, children's ministry here at Journey Church. And I want to take just, just a second, uh, we had VBX back the first week of June, uh, and, and I just want to take an opportunity, you, you've, y'all, y'all saw a recap video, you heard Pastor Jay talking about it, but just personally, this is the first the opportunity that I've had. I, I just want to say thank you to the parents, uh, thank you for trusting in us and allowing us to minister to your kids uh, for, those, for those three days. And then if you volunteered in, in any way, whether it's cooking team or parking, games, small group leader, whatever it was, if you volunteered in any way, just real quick, some of you might get mad at me, but would, would you just stand just one quick second if you volunteered in any way whatsoever at VBX? Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you very much. Okay, y'all can sit down. Y'all enjoying that too much. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but anyway, so we're in our series. Uh, if you've been here over the past few weeks, if you've watched online, we've been in our series called Short Stories by Jesus. And uh, Pastor Jay revealed to you guys the, the deep thought process that we put into calling this our summer series. It's because it's the series we do during the summer. So that's, it's, it's, a, it's a brain teaser there. Uh, but what, what we're doing is we're, we're going to take this summer and, and uh, talk about change. And if, if you haven't been here or maybe you've missed them or if you're here today for the first time, uh, again, first of all, welcome. And don't worry because I'm going to take the next few minutes to kind of get us all caught up on where we've been so far this summer. So we're, we're focusing on change. Everybody say change. Change can be a scary thing. It can be a scary word. Some, some change is good. Some change is bad. There's, of course, positive change, negative change. You, you may have had a time in your life where you, you, there was change that was happening, but maybe you didn't really enjoy that process of changing. Sometimes we might desire to change, but we don't know how to change. Well, Colossians 3.16 speaks to that. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Keep focused on that word, dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's, That's the change that we're looking for, that we're focusing on during this series, this summer, the change that only God can do in us. Now, that change is never negative. It's never for the worst. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. When God changes us, it will always be positive. When God changes us, it is to make us more like Christ. That change comes when we let the word of Christ dwell in us. Now, we're not talking about just hearing the word, okay? 
We're going to talk more about that today. That's what we're going to focus on. That's the parable that we're going to look at today. That's not what the word dwell means. And, and you heard Pastor Darren talk about this word just a little bit last week. Dwell means to live in, to inhabit. And, and when this right here, when this takes up residence in your heart, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, it will change you. It will bring about change. So what we're going to do, that, that scripture, Coloss, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in your heart. So what we're going to do is we're, we want to look specifically at some of the words of Christ at his parables. Now, what is a parable? A parable is simply a story or a saying that illustrates a truth. It's, it's an illustration. What, what Jesus would do is he would, he would reference uh, uh, culturally relevant objects or people or situations that, that his audience could relate to. For example, he would talk about the kingdom of God. He would talk about the character of God. He would talk about the last days, all those different things. And up to this point, we've looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan, We've looked at the parable of the prodigal son, and last week, the parable of the sower. What I want to do this week is look at the parable of the two houses. Some of you may know it as, have heard it called, the wise and foolish builders in Matthew chapter 7. And, and what I want to do is focus or put an emphasis on response. Everybody say response. And there's a couple of reasons I want to do that. A couple of reasons I want to put an emphasis on response. Number one is because Jesus' parables called for a response. That's one of the reasons he, 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 he spoke and taught in parables. He would call for a response to his message. He, he didn't tell stories. He didn't tell these stories for entertainment. We, look, we all like a good story. We like a good story. We like telling a good story. But we, we tell stories for entertainment, right? That's what movies are. Movies are stories. Jesus' stories communicated something much greater. They, they communicated something about the relationship between the speaker, in this case Jesus, and the audience. Now his audience is not just the hearers of this day. It's not just the hearers that he was sitting there talking to. The audience is us as well. We are the audience. So, so these stories communicate something about that relationship. There's, there's a gap, a divide in that relationship that the hearers, us, need to respond to. For, in, in other words, here's the issue, here's the problem. Now, what are you going to do about it? How will you respond? So they called for a response. And the second reason I want to focus on response is the power and authority in God's words demand a response. I, a couple of months back, uh, I'm not a big text person. Anybody else, like, you just do not like texting. Now, my wife is like a texting machine. Like, she can, she can be looking at me and texting to somebody, and, like, how is that even possible? I, I don't know. But I'm not a big texter. But anyway, 
One day, uh, she was already at work. I dropped the kids off at school, and she sent me a text. I responded. She sent me a text. I responded. I, and by this time, I'm already I'm like, my goodness, I'm tired of te-. like two text messages. I'm like, I am. And she's sitting there looking at me like, I'm, I haven't told her this story yet, but uh, may, maybe I ought to do what Pastor Jay does and get uh, get approval before I tell stories, right? Uh, no. so, so I go in the store, I leave my phone in the car, I go in the store and come back, and there's a, another text message from her, and I, j- you know, I, I don't know how the other phones do it, but you know how the iPhone, you can, when you pull up the message, you just hold your finger down on it, and then it gives you these little icon options, like a thumbs up, thumbs down, ha-ha, exclamation point, wh- heart, like you love it, right? Oh, we love it. It, it gives you these little icons, and, and so I, I, ha- I just... I was tired, two text messages, man, I'm done, like, I'm tired of texting already. So I just hold my finger down on it and give it a little thumbs up. And I had the thought, and I just, like, that is not really respond, like, I I didn't really respond, like, that's a cop-out, right? Like, I didn't really respond. And then I just, this conviction from the Lord (laughs) that said, Hold on, bear with me. This conviction from the Lord that said, isn't that how you respond to my text sometimes? And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. This text, this text requires... A response. See, the Lord will speak to us at different times, and he'll speak to us in different situations. And maybe it's in your prayer time. Maybe it's in, in the vehicle on the way home. Maybe it's when you're not texting your wife back like you're supposed to. I, I don't know, but he'll, he'll speak to you, and he'll, he'll put scriptures in your heart, or, or he'll give you guidance and direction, maybe on something you've been praying about. And then we can choose. We have a choice to either respond in obedience or rejection. We, we choose how we want to respond. This is not a text from your wife or from your mother-in-law or from your husband or your teenager that you don't really feel like responding to, so you just kind of give it a little thumbs up. It demands our response, and it has the power and the authority to do so. That's when, when the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, The word of God is living and active, piercing to the division of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. He's saying that this isn't just some book that we pick up when we need a little bit of encouragement. This isn't some book when we, we run a read a good story or we just we leave it sitting there and, and when we, we need some encouragement or we're going through a rough time, we pick it up and then we read it. This word changes people. It changes lives. It changes things. And that kind of authority requires us to respond. And again, we can respond in obedience or we can ignore it. Essentially, obedience or rejection. So turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. 
Matthew chapter 7 and, and uh, verse 24. We're going to start in verse 24 through 29. Uh, and while you're finding it, just to give you a little context, just to bring you up to speed where we're at, this parable comes at the end of what I believe is the most powerful sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount recorded in, in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. It, in Matthew chapter 5, it says Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus went up to the mountain, sat down, and began to teach, speaking to his, his disciples primarily, but then the crowds started to gather in. And if I can give just a few words, maybe one sentence to, to maybe summarize it, what Jesus taught. And in this sermon, he calls for the church, not, not a particular building, right? The people, his followers. He calls for the church to live according to the values of the kingdom of God. He spoke on various subjects like, or, or topics like, or issues like anger and, and, and lust and stewardship and how to pray, uh, uh, fasting. And, and at the very end, he calls for his hearers to respond to his teachings by telling them this parable. A parable that points to how we respond to God's word. Let's read it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Well, what is the rock? We're going to talk about that. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I knew there was a problem with sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. <clears throat> In the year 1173, construction began on one of the world's most famous landmarks. It was being built as a bell tower to a cathedral. The completed tower would have eight Floors, but by the time the builders got to the third floor, by the time they began construction on the third floor, they realized that the building had begun to lean. And, and over the next 800 years, it became apparent that it wasn't just leaning, it was falling. Today, the leaning tower of Pisa, some of you may have guessed that already, is about 16 feet off perpendicular. The reason? An unstable foundation. Shifting soil. It's interesting to note that the city of Pisa in, in Italy got its name from a Greek word that means marshy land. So not very wise of the builders to build on this type of foundation. Bottom line is this. It doesn't matter how good or how strong the outside looks if the foundation isn't rock solid. And in this parable, 
we'll talk about two very different foundations. One is the perfect foundation to build upon. The other, as with the Tower of Pisa, not so much. We also have two builders, a wise builder and a foolish builder. The builders are the hearers. There are two different hearers. In other words, two different responses. And therefore, two very different results when the storms come. And what I want to do, we're actually going to kind of work through it backwards. We're going to start at the end in verse 28 and 29. Because what, what I want to do first is, is establish the why. I, I touched on it a little bit earlier about the, the power and the authority. But I want to talk about why we must respond. Let's look at it. Verse 28 and 29. It says, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And that he taught not as the scribes did, but as one who had authority. Now, there were a lot of differences between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. One of them being the, the, the way that they taught, their, their method of teaching. You see, the scribes were, they were very highly trained, highly educated readers and writers, interpreters of the law of Moses. But when they taught... They, they would cite the other rabbi. They would cite the other teachers. Jesus, on the other hand, he wouldn't cite anybody. He wouldn't cite the, the, the rabbi or other teachers. He didn't need to consult with anybody to give him confirmation or to affirm what he was saying. He didn't need anybody's approval. Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came to them, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a bold statement. All authority has been given to me. He didn't need any authority beyond his own. And because of the authority and power that Jesus spoke with, the crowds were astonished. The, the verb here in the original uh, uh, Greek text, the original language, actually describes a feeling of being amazed to the point of being overwhelmed. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed about something? They were overwhelmed. They had never heard teaching like this. Jesus taught with the power and authority of God. His words carried the power and authority of God. These words, these words aren't just words. They carry the authority and the power of God because they are the words of God. Let, let me share with you just a, a recent personal experience I had back on uh, back in May, May fifteenth. I, I ended up in the emergency room. My heart was all out of whack, uh, AFib, irregular heartbeat, and and that was a Wednesday. The only thing that I was worried about, I wasn't even worried about regular, irregular, whatever. The only thing I was worried about was Thursday night making it to my son's kindergarten graduation. That's that's all I was worried about. And so Wednesday evening. We, we get there, and they're, they're doing medicine. They're going through what they, they have to go through to try to get it to go back into regular rhythm. It didn't, and so they admit me to the hospital. And immediately, my first concern is, well, I, I'm never going to make that. I'm never going to make that kindergarten graduation. 
So they admit me, and about 5.15 that morning, you know how nurses, like, you guys, you guys don't come in very early, like 5.15 a.m. Y'all, I mean, y'all get to work, you know what I'm saying? 5.15 a.m., they come in, they do an a EKG, one of, one of those initial things, and, and my heart is, is still irregular. It's still, it's still out of whack. And, and I start getting, like, mad, upset. I'm, I'm doing what I can do. I'm saying whatever I can say. I told, look, I, I told my wife, like, if I got to walk out of here with this little roly pole thing with the IVs and, and go to my son's graduation, I'm going to that graduation. Doing what I can and saying what I can, I'm going to be there. But then as, as we sat there, it was just my wife and I in the room, heart still acting crazy. I get upset, and I'm like, I'm just, and, and my wife's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to make it. Like, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to call me and FaceTime me or whatever. We, we're just not going to make it. Or I'm not. I'm not going to make it. I'll just watch it by video or whatever. So we're sitting there. It's just her and I. She's laying down. I'm just laying there. And then, and she prays. She starts praying. And after she prays, I, I, I just, I had this, just this, conviction from from God from the Holy Spirit he said why don't, how, why don't you let me in this situation like and it just I just heard the words listen to my word so I'm like well I, okay so I take my phone out turn on the 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 audio Bible and just, just let it play. It doesn't matter. I don't care who comes in the room, what they got to do. Whoever comes in here is going to hear this word because apparently what I've been doing hasn't been working. So, so I'm just going to let God handle this situation. And, and as I sat there, has anybody ever had that, uh, the dream where you're, like, you're walking and you're, you're you're about to fall off of a cliff, right? And then you kind of do fall off the cliff, and then you, like, it startles you and you wake up. Well, I felt, I, I wasn't having a, dr a dream about falling off of a cliff. I'm sitting there, my eyes closed, I'm hearing the word play. I don't even remember where it was. This is New Testament somewhere, wherever I'm at, and part of a, a reading plan or whatever. And I just felt this, this, the presence of God, you hear the word overwhelming in this text, the presence of God, I just felt, and it, it startled me, and I opened my eyes, and I immediately had the thought, I bet my heart's back in right, I bet that was it, that was it, I bet that was it, and As we sat there, probably 30 minutes later, an hour later, I don't know, here comes in the doctor. Casey asked him, how's the heart? It's in regular rhythm. And, all he, he, and what he said, he said, it's in regular rhythm. You're going to do a stress test. We're going to do an ultrasound, and, and we'll, have you, we'll, we'll, have you, we'll have you out of here this afternoon in, in, in time for your son's graduation. This kind of power, not, 
This kind of power demands a response. But I want to take it a step further, and I would say that this kind of power will cause us to respond. Now, I I said earlier in this parable, we'll we'll see two different responses. So now that we know the why, we've we've kind of established the the, the power and and the authority of, of God's word. The, the why. Let's look at the two different responses. And, and I think what we'll see is this. I think what we'll see is that, and, and they'll put it up on the screen, the way we respond to God's word, the way we respond to God's word determines, will determine the strength of our foundation. It's either obedience or rejection. And you might say, well, I would never reject God's word. If you're not obedient to it, essentially that's what we're doing. When we're not obedient, we're ignoring it or we're rejecting it. So, so let's, let's, look at, let's look at these two different builders. And, and first of all, when, when we look at verse 24 and verse 26, when Jesus says these words of mine, anyone who hears these words of mine, and does them. Anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. In this context, the words that he is talking about is the words recorded in f- chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. So I just want <clears throat> to just clarify that. Now, the second builder, remember we're kind of working through it backwards, the second builder is the foolish builder. Why? A foolish builder builds his house on a, a weak unstable foundation for example the tower of Pisa and as a result when the rain and the flood and the winds come his house falls you see Jesus's audience remember we said that a a parable Jesus he would use culturally relevant objects or 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 people or situations that that they could relate to that they would be uh, familiar with well they they understood the issues that that the rains and the floods and the winds could cause because in there in that area if if you didn't you had to dig f- pretty deep in order to find rock solid ground to dig upon and it, and if or, or to, to build upon and if you didn't when the rain and the floods and the winds came it didn't take much to wash your house just just to wash it away the foolish man the foolish builder is someone who hears the word of God but doesn't do it. We see that in the text. You see, we can hear it and understand it. We can hear it and talk about it. We can hear it and discuss it. But James 1.22 says, if you hear these words but do not do them, you are deceived. If we're not doing what the word says we're fooling ourselves into thinking that we're in a relationship with Jesus. We remember, even we can understand it, we can know what it says, but if we're if we find ourselves not doing it, we're fooling ourselves. There are many who go to church, there are many who who know what the word says, think they know Jesus but they don't. Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, 20, 21, we back up right before this particular parable. 
one of the most frightening scriptures in the Bible. Not everyone, Jesus is saying this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There will be many that say Jesus is Lord, yet do nothing, and they will not enter the kingdom. Matthew 7, 23, it may be the most, may be the scariest scripture, the most frightening scripture in the Bible. Right after that, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And this is after they said, well, Jesus, we did this in your name and this in your name, and we did that and that. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. J.C. Ryle says it like this. He says, open sin and unbelief slays its thousands. But profession without practice slays its ten thousands. That is an eye-opening statement. Yes, there are many who don't believe, say they don't believe, and the lifestyle shows it, right? But, unfortunately, there are many who say they do believe, but their lifestyle doesn't show it. Now, let me, let me clarify this real quick. We're, we're not saved. We don't receive the gift of salvation by doing. That's, that's not what I'm, I'm, I'm talking a lot about response and doing, but that's not how we're saved. We're, we're saved by grace through faith, and then the doing comes. Okay? That's, that, that's, what, we're, that's what we're talking about here. A firm foundation is built upon being obedient to a personal God who loves us more than we can understand. Not just saying we believe, but living like we believe. A couple of ways to look at it. Does, does what you practice align with what you proclaim? Are your priorities in line with your profession? I truly believe that it was my disobedience to the Holy Spirit that landed me in the hospital back in May. Because you see, what would happen is, you know, I, I said earlier how the, the Lord will bring a scripture to mind or give you some guidance about a situation that you've been, been praying about. And, and, and you can choose to respond in obedience or, or, or reject it. And a lot of times the Lord will speak will put thing, bring things to my heart in the middle of the night. I know, great time. Like 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, God, this is, this is great timing. But whatever, right? It's in his timing, not ours. So, and he'll bring things like, like to my heart and, you know, my, my wife and my kids or, or me, or, and, and, and I'll pray about it. And, and, and one of the things that he kept leading up to May, one of the things that he kept bringing to my heart was that your body is my temple. Take care of it. Your body is my temple. Take care of it. It's my temple. Take care of it. Like, lay off some of the fast foods. Lay off some of the caffeine. Lay off some of the energy drinks. I know, y'all don't stone me energy drinks. Lay off some of the energy drink. Like, you're, you're not getting younger. You're getting older. So take, 
take care of yourself. And, and so I'm praying about it because I'm like, yeah, God, you know, that's, that's right. Because if something happens to me, what about my wife and my kids? And, and, and you pray about it, and then you fall asleep and wake up the next morning, and it's like, I'm good. Let's go get me a Diet Coke and energy drink. That disobedience, I truly believe, not listening to the guidance, to the word of the Holy Spirit. And remember, it wasn't some silly, crazy, silly, it wasn't some voice that I was hearing in my head. It was scripture that he's bringing to mind. If you say, God never speaks to me, yes, he does, right here. It's right here. Your body is a temple. Take care of it. Take care of it. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Apparently, I wasn't. The first builder. Now, we, 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 have, our, we have our power. We have our authority. We see what the foolish builder looks like. Let's look at the first builder. The first builder is one who is wise. Why is he wise? Well, a wise builder builds his house on a solid foundation. And because his house is on a solid foundation, it is able to withstand the rain and the winds and the flood. Now, remember, a parable uses culturally relevant information. And, and yes, Jesus' hearers of the day could relate to what he was saying. But we can also relate to what Jesus is saying about the wind and the rain and floods and the destruction that they can leave behind. We, unfortunately, in this area, we've experienced that. We know that. But we can also, most of us, probably all of us, can relate to the damage and to the destruction that the storms of life can do. When it, when it seems like there's, there's just one problem after another. You've heard the saying, when it, when it rains, it pours, right? There's one problem after another. The bills are flooding in. It feels like the walls are about to crash in. Those, those storms can tear, they can beat you down if your foundation is not solid as a rock. And friends, we don't know when those storms will come. But they will come. So why not be prepared when they do? When we see a storm, a, a, a tropical depression or a hurricane gets in the Gulf of Mexico, what do we do? We, we prep. My father-in-law got like 27 gas cans. He, he, goes, he fills all of them up. 16 generators. No, he doesn't really have that many. He got two generators, gets the generators ready, got the gas cans full. We, we, we prep. We get ready for the storm. A wise man is not one who attempts to build his own foundation. We don't have the ability to construct a foundation that's strong enough. And thank God we don't have to. Jesus has built it for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He has laid the foundation for us. 
He's laid it for us, and all we have to do is build upon that foundation the way he tells us to. He is the foundation, and our responsibility is to construct our lives with the material that he's given us, with the tools and with the materials, with the supplies that he's given us, his, his word, in other words, his teaching, his ways, that's obedience. And a rock-solid foundation is simply obedience to God. Two houses might look the same on the outside, but the foundation that they are built on will determine their strength. Two lives, if, if compared to one another, might look similar in terms of the, having the look of a, of, a, of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus, but the foundation upon which they are built makes them drastically different. The eternal consequences are drastically different. And so this parable is not about knowing Simply knowing that Jesus is the rock. Yes, that, that's true. That's absolutely true. But the response that Jesus is calling for here in this parable is obedience to his word. So we have two builders, two houses, two foundations, two very different results. It's the wise it's the wise who build on a solid foundation, whereas the foolish build on sand. The wise will be able to withstand the storms of life when they come, but the foolish will not. And, and ultimately, in the end, only the wise, those who build their house on a rock-solid foundation, will be able to withstand the judgment of the Lord when he returns. If your house crumbles and falls when the storms of this life come, it will certainly crumble and fall when he returns to rescue his church, to rescue his bride. So the question each of us, myself included, the question we all need to answer today is this. What is my foundation? In other words, what is your response to the word of God? Is it obedience to the teachings, to Jesus, the word of God that is living and active, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, Hebrews 4.12, sufficient for any storm, any situation you're dealing with, or is it rejection? Are you ignoring it? If we're not obedient to it, then we're rejecting it. Not making that up, that's the two options that Jesus gives us. Just as Jesus called for his hearers to respond, I want to give you the opportunity. We're going to have an opportunity in just a few minutes to respond. But remember, we're focusing on change. We're focusing on change. What change requires a response. You might be sitting here today in the midst of a storm that's beating you 
down. You might be sitting here today and, and you want to change, but, but maybe you don't know how to change. And so I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge you, all of us, to inspect your foundation. What is your foundation? Have you, have you been building upon your own foundation, your ways, your ideas, your feelings, someone else's thoughts, someone else's feelings? Or is your foundation obedience to the teaching of Jesus, to the word of God? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy. God, for your power. But thank you for your authority. And God, as we speak about foundations, as we speak about obedience, God, you know each person in this room, you know what their foundation is built upon. You know the storms that they may be in the midst of. God, there, there may be some here who, who have may, maybe recently, maybe their walls, maybe, maybe their house has been torn down. It has fallen. And they don't, they, they, they know not what to do. So God, I, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give them the heart, that you would give them the mind to lift their eyes to you, Jesus. The author, the perfecter, the, the founder of our faith, that they would look to you that they would cry out to you, that they, that they wouldn't try to rebuild on their own, that they, they wouldn't attempt, God, to construct their own foundation. But right now, speak to them that their foundation should be obedience to you, Jesus to your word, to your ways, to your teachings. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? And we're, we're going we're gonna to close out with worship. Don't, don't rush out of here. If, if, if the Lord has, has spoken something to your heart, I, I, I pray he has. We'll, we'll have our prayer team up here at the, at the end of service after we worship. But... But use this time to praise. The, the, the kids are in good hands. They're not going anywhere. Uh, uh, the, so just take this time to honor and, and worship the Lord with our voices. As Colossians 3.16 says, it, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and, and have thanks in your heart by, and, and by singing songs and hymns and, and praise to God. So let's do that now. Let's worship. <laughs>